Welcome to the Speaking From Our Hearts podcast. In this edition, we'll be talking about many aspects of life, particularly health, relationships and wealth-related topics, all from a heart-centred approach. Your host, Paul Lowe, has a long and successful history of helping others through his coaching and mentoring, as well as his many charitable initiatives. He's been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from challenging backgrounds. Paul is the author of the books Mastering the Game of Life from Pain to Purpose and Speaking from Our Hearts. Welcome listeners to this Speaking from Our Hearts podcast episode where I'm joined today um, by a gentleman called Daniel Aaron, all the way from Hawaii, United States of America. And Daniel describes himself as a spiritual teacher, coach, leader, father, writer and yogi. And today Daniel's going to talk to us around magical intimacy, the yoga of love. Daniel, very, very warm welcome to you. Paul, thanks so much. It's a, it's a pleasure to be with you, an honor to be able to speak to your audience, and I'm excited to, um, to dive into this topic. Right, so it's an intriguing title. Tell us more. Well, here's what I learned. Uh, my whole first part of uh, my education, childhood, school, all the way you know, well into my 20s, um, zero. <laughs> that's what that's what I learned about um, intimacy and love. <laughs> what I saw around me in my family and in the world was I knew there was a lot of love, yet also somehow it often wasn't sort of landing in us in a way that lived up to its promise. And oftentimes the love that was around also contained a lot of pain or challenge with it. So for me, as a as a little boy, I just was really confused. Like I know there's love, but oh, it's not supposed to hurt, is it? And then, uh, and then it was in, somewhere in my twenties when I really got onto a, a spiritual path that I realized, oh wait a minute, people have learned about this, taught about this. So I made it a real obsession for me to learn about just different ways of being in relationship and and especially in terms of communication. Mm. Interesting. It's interesting, Daniel, isn't it, that no matter what we talk about in everyday life, um, you know, whether we're going from the most um, devout spiritual person to somebody, uh, and I'll speak about my own experiences working on a building site where one uh, in a past life where the language has been a bit more colourful, um, but invariably that, that L word will raise its head. In different contexts, and we can't we can't get away from it, can we? We absolutely cannot get away from it. Yeah, well, we could certainly make a a, a valid argument or suggestion that, in fact, the reason we are here in this middle plane, Earth, um, and having the Earth experience is all about to love and be loved, and to learn our worthiness of love. Um, so, yeah, no getting around it. And then again. Why would we want to? Because it's uh, in many ways the juiciest part of life. I agree with you, Daniel, but I can also see um, or or I'm aware of, should I say, the other side of the coin where, you know, there's a massive stereotype in this. Guys are not allowed to talk about things like that. Yeah, well, absolutely. Um, and especially as men, we have a 
even bigger disadvantage when it comes to talking about intimacy. I think we're all disadvantaged, like I said, because we don't really often get much of a good education about how to talk about intimacy and love. And and men, especially by our nature, are more withdrawn communicatively. Um, and of course, that tends to bring out a little challenge in relationships as well. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I want to flip back, uh, Daniel, if I can, um, um, you know, also for the benefit of the listeners to how we first met, which was, what, four, four and a half years ago now. Um, and we met on a, doing the Tony Robbins strategic intervention course, didn't we? That's right. Yeah. Now, what strikes me, uh, Daniel, through, um, you know, progression, subsequent journeys um, from Robbins's very, what's the right adjective here, practical solution. Um, and I'm playing a little bit of devil, devil's advocate here um, of solving things to this more gentler, fluid way of being. And I find that a fascinating contrast. And just wonder if you've got any, any take on that. And obviously, you know, because of sort of our starting point four and a half years ago or whatever it was on that, as I say, that very strategic, you know, for those that aren't aware, Tony does use some uh, quite colourful language at times and some, uh, you know, some confrontational um, ways of being. And it just strikes me, Daniel, that isn't that a million miles away from this softer, more heart-centred approach that when... Um, when masters such as yourself are advocating love? Well, that's great. That's a beautiful question. Thank you. And um, yeah, it's nice to remember uh, where we met there on, on that training. And, you know, it was a great uh, opportunity for me to learn more of Tony's way of working with people. And I've been working with people for a long time already. And I love including that model in the ways that I support people as an option. Um, and, and in response to what you said, I'll give one piece that's, um, excuse me, more direct um, to what you said. And then if I can, I'll open up another little piece for us here. Mm. Um, and yeah, and one, of the, one of the things I've noticed, and I've, I've been working with people for 25 years, and I've been obsessed myself with spiritual practice and personal and spiritual development. So I... I I'm, I'm working with people and I'm learning all the time because I love it. And there's so many great approaches out there. Um, and part of what has made Tony so successful in what, he, what he's done is he um, does have a massive amount of love at the root of what he's doing. And he's figured out ways to, this is just my language for it, um, be very direct and even sometimes to encourage us and teach all of us to sort of push our way through challenges. Um, interestingly, you know, in, in getting to know him a lot over the last few years, I've also seen that that is shifting in him and the way he works, which I think is reflective of a shift in the overall culture that we live in. Absolutely. Um, and there are certainly are more uh, other approaches, many of which I employ myself more often that I would say are less less of a push and more of a pull. And I'd characterize those as being more about working with spirit, um, working with the invisible field that governs all things, 
as opposed to being in sort of the the realm of matter and trying to push and force or muscle things mm. yeah so go ahead yeah um is it fair to say daniel that and if i think if i'm hearing you correctly what you're alluding to there is there's a more heart-centered approach emerging in this world of ours is is am i hearing you correctly there um i'd say that's definitely part of it absolutely um that you know the, the one of the things we know is the heart is um i think it's 500 times more electrically powerful than the mind right um, and there's so much beautiful science coming out these days about how to about the importance of linking the heart and the mind and creating what we call heart coherence and the impact that that creates individually uh, in groups and globally is you know is just phenomenal um, so yeah i'd say we are absolutely moving into a time that's more heart-based uh, in part because we're realizing as a culture as a species um, as a world that that anything else hurts and doesn't work for us it's that basic um pain or pleasure dichotomy isn't it let's get away from pain anything to get away from pain yeah it's just i think it just never ceases to amaze me daniel that you know after generations and generations and and centuries and centuries i don't know i mean obviously i'm not qualified to make this statement it's only a subjective uh, perception that but you know even in my sort of um, six decades nearly of being on this planet i, I feel that there is there's something different about this world now um that it's almost like do you know what we've had enough of the old way of being it doesn't work We've had enough. Let's, and I won't say necessarily try something new because I think it's so much deeper than that. I don't know what's going off with this revolution, but I feel it's for the better. Absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. And we mentioned just a moment ago about pain and pleasure. Um, and if it's all right for you, I'd, I'd like to bring that around to um, part of Part of what I want to sh share with your folks, which I think will um, hopefully be very helpful in terms of creating more intimacy in uh, in everyone's life. Yeah. And here's one of the things that that I came up against in myself and have been practicing and working with now for uh, over 20 years. In and the, the, the part of the why I use that title, Magical Intimacy, the Yoga of Love, is this is where it really clicked for me um, many years ago when I was deeply immersed in yogic studies. And everybody knows in yoga uh, these days the, the physical postures and moving around and, you know, all that stuff and wearing the right clothes or, <laughs> um, you know, going to yoga classes, that, that physical uh, practice, which is beautiful and very helpful on many levels. Um, what a lot of folks don't know is that underneath or in back of that, there's a very powerful philosophy built into the yogic studies. And one of the components of it, actually, that's that comes to us piece of advice from the sage Patanjali well before we get to, you know, move your body, is uh, two two specific words that really jumped out at me when I was learning this. One is called ahimsa, which means 
my definition would be do as little harm as possible. Um, sometimes it's translated as nonviolence or do no harm. Um, this is a philosophy that Gandhi and Martin Luther King embodied. Um, Satyagraha was called there also. And um, if, it, if we say do as little harm as possible, the proactive of that would be do as much good as possible or give as much love as possible. Mm. Okay. Um, so that's one word, ahimsa. On the other side is this word satya, um, which means honesty or truth. And what I realized early on is if, if I really want to evolve in this practice, yeah, sure, it's good to, you know, touch my toes and do handstand and learn those things, and they're fun, and they're good for me on many levels. And the practice of ahimsa, right, do as little harm as possible, and satya, honesty, together um, is way more challenging and way more valuable in my life, in my real life, than being able to do a handstand or put my foot behind my head. And what I found is it's, it's an incredible challenge. And again, that's where we, to bring it back, that's where we, we haven't had the education, most of us, on how to do that. Um, you know, we can do one or the other, though seldom do we do two together. And often the reason for that is, well, because fear comes up in us that it will be, it'll be painful if I if I am honest and, and loving at the same time, maybe I won't say it right, or maybe I'll go too much to honesty, not enough love, or maybe I'll be too much in the, in the, in the love and sweetness, but really miss the honesty of it. Um, so part of the new paradigm, I think, is that we're learning new ways of communicating and sharing from the heart uh, that actually enhances the intimacy in, in all of our relationships. Mm, definitely. And, but one of the, um, one of the uh, angles I want to come from, Daniel, if I may, is, um, you know, we've shared off uh, in a private conversation around my, my personal focus of taking this very powerful stuff that we're talking about now onto the streets and using a language to communicate that people at the coalface of life understand and i'm constantly trying to take these these amazing life-changing principles that i've learned that have affected my life massively for the you know from from the depths of despair depression suicide addiction all those labels that we amass and okay so what I, you know what I've, I've come to accept now and understand is this beautiful stuff that this thing called love how best is that communicated out at the real sharp end where it can make an absolute dramatic change to people's lives and that's my question Daniel so every time I kind of get involved in this 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 type of conversation I turn to masters and say well you know give me something anything because every little tool is a new tool and I'm building my armory all the time. So I kind of put that, uh, no pressure by the way, Daniel, but I kind of put that your way and say, you know, what, any, any thoughts, any insights? Well, yeah, and I'm with you and I appreciate that, um, you know, really the, the measure of success of any of our 
learnings and the philosophies and the principles is our ability to integrate them and apply them in our lives. Um, and uh, so one of the things that I found is really useful. Um, of course, I discovered it for myself first and put it into practice and, um, and still learn about it and practice with it. And I found it to be useful um, across all, all, all walks of life from, you know, working with my 12 year old daughter to clients and students to friends. Um, and that's, um, well, first in, in this context of what we're speaking about to, to really embrace and know that actually we can, we can speak from love. We can communicate from love and also be honest at the same time. Mm. And, you know, and that it's incredibly valuable and important because when we don't, we all feel some, some rent inside ourselves, some division as if we are inconsistent with ourselves, And, and that's painful. It's a low level pain and societally we're used to that kind of incongruence yet. It's really important for us to recognize that it's, it, it really does tear us up from the inside. So, once we realize it's so important to to care enough about the people in our lives and and it's a tricky one because yes the people in our lives like if you and i are in a conversation and i have something i want to share with you that might be challenging for me and i'm going to say okay i'm going to i'm going to really embrace the this uh honesty and love together at the same time in my communication um Yes, it will benefit you and it will help our relationship um, and it will have massive benefit for me just on my own by coming into it, by attempting it, by doing my best with it um, and creating that uh, congruency inside myself. So, so that's one part or that's two parts, right? One, knowing that we can and two, knowing the, the importance and value of it and the cost when we miss it. And then the third part is, this may sound oversimplified, and it is, though to keep it simple for everyone, we just do our best with it. And what I find helps a lot with this, and everybody I know that I've worked with has found utility in this, is we do a little bit of what... Um, when I was a kid, my parents called apron ringing, which is uh, ringing the apron is kind of like saying, oh, I'm not any good and I'm going to mess this up and I don't know how to do it. You know, and in the context of this kind of communication, say, say I need to, um, I choose that I want to be honest and um, loving with somebody who's uh, invited me to a party, right? Um, and, and the truth is that, um, I'm, I'm, I don't want to go to the party. It doesn't feel right for me. So I might say to them, and this is a very sort of easy example, right? There's not a lot of emotional charge in it. I might say to them, um, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure how I'm going to say this exactly. And, you know, our relationship's really important to me. So I feel a little awkward in, in saying this, but I just want to say, cause I don't want to have anything in between us in our relationship. Um, so, you know, I hope you'll bear with me as I, I try and express myself, mm. um, you know, that kind of thing, which is probably sounds a little bit self-deprecating. Um, and in some ways it is. And, 
yet it's also very honest because what it conveys to someone is like, you know, I'm I'm a little nervous about this. I don't I want to mess it up. I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to feel hurt. I don't want you to dislike me. Um, I'm not sure if I have the right words for it. Um, but I'm I'm going to give it a go. And 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 the reason for that is because you're important to me. And I know if there's something in the way between us, that that will harm our relationship or reduce the the love and harmony that can be there. Um, and I'll say this last little piece, and then I'll flip it over to you. The um, what what I found in doing that is the receiver of the communication invariably softens. Right? They say, "Oh, okay, this is a challenge for my friend here, my sister, my lover, whoever it is. This is a challenge for them, and and they care about me. So I'm gonna just soften and see if I can receive this. That all happens just in an instant." And, and in our expression of our nervousness, well, that gets us honest with what's happening and we tend to relax a little bit more after that. Mm. We just listen to that, Daniel, because my the question that was running through my mind as you were speaking, these these certainly the first two, you know, the truth and the love, is there a, forgive the terminology, but pecking order, which one, is it a chicken and egg, which one comes first? Or are there, you know, is it a yin and a yang or, you know, what... what are they very much the same? You know, it's that kind of um, oneness is made of duality, which is a paradox. And I'm, and I'm kind of thinking maybe there's a bit of a paradox there as well. Or can you actually separate? And, you know, I've got a take on that, uh, which I'd like to share in a practical way. But I'd be interested in your thoughts on, OK, which one do we put first? Or, or we don't, as the case may be. That's a beautiful question. I love that you asked that. And... In simplest answer, I'd say um, yes and, both and. Um, and if there is a, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost, I'm cautious to give a pecking order because I'm, I'm concerned that then someone would say, well, I'll do this one and if that one doesn't happen, okay. I do believe that there is a prioritization that's valuable here. And we have to remember that the value and challenge is in both of them together. That said, well, by way of a part of how I got here, 1996, I read a book by Brad Blanton called Radical Honesty, How Telling the Truth Will Change Your Life. And this guy, he advocates unedited truth. No matter, you just say whatever it is. And if anyone else is offended or hurt by that, well, that's their problem, right? And I read that and to me, that was a revelation because I'd grown up with such dishonesty and sarcasm in my home. I thought that's great. And, and I started employing it. And then what I realized is as a cultural pendulum swing from a culture that's gotten too soft and dishonest and we don't we don't tell the truth to ourselves or to each other um, nearly as much as we would benefit from great to have a pendulum swing over here to radical honesty and what radical honesty also can be a lot of the time is cruelty mm -hmm. right? so the pecking order I would give is love first right to remember our connection why we're saying what we're saying and then, yes, there is a, the paradox part of it is if we love someone, of course we're going to be honest with them. 
It takes courage that we have to care about them enough because it's easier just to say, oh, you look fine, honey, you look fine, right? Not to, you know, chance upsetting them. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that was the kind of conclusion I'd come to, Daniel, because what also was flipping through my mind as well is this um, cliche of tough love. So that so long as we're coming from the right place with the right intention, and, and you know, and I suppose a typical example would be setting boundaries for our, our youngsters where, you know, you don't want to chastise and you don't want to discipline the child. But at the end of the day, you know, you know, it, it needs to be and you're going to upset them because they don't understand the bigger picture of why you're in their eyes taking this really tough, mean action. But clearly you have the wisdom and the experience to say, well, you know, just please, you know, believe me on this. Um, and it's the way it is. I just want to go back, Daniel, to that word truth fascinates me. Absolutely fascinates me. The word truth does. Because isn't it true as people, we have our, what I call local truth, that's true to us as individuals, and then there are universal truths. It's kind of tied in with the beliefs a bit, isn't it? You know, what we believe to be true is, and I think the key word is there is believe, is what we've been taught now, that doesn't make it right, does it? And that doesn't make it wrong. It makes it our truth. So there's this whole kind of myriad of complications or potential misunderstandings of people when they're communicating around this local truth. Well, I don't, you know, I've, no, 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 I don't understand that. That's not what I've been taught. Or that's not what you told me when I was growing up as a child. Now I'm confused. You know, does... So there's this whole complex nature of this this word called truth. And, and language is so important, isn't it? More than I think most of us probably realize if truth be known. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. There are uh, local and universal truths. And you know, if we are having a discussion now about intimacy, then probably the one that is most important for us definitely the one that's most important important for us is our local truths right um because anyone's individual reality is completely valid to them that's their way of being and seeing in the world and most challenges in relationship and intimacy is that we've got two beings um each with different truths oftentimes believing that that is the truth, right? Um, and that's where this um, there's so much value to this way of communicating, saying, right, I love you enough to share what my truth is, um, and I love you enough to receive that and understand that that's how it's been for you. Um, it's, it's, so, it's so important. And then part of what can happen when we open up these dialogues that we often avoid because they're uncomfortable is you know this one uh shares with this one there what their truth is and then this one can respond and say oh well i didn't know you saw it that way or actually no i wasn't even home that day or um you know or and then, and then be able to get the feedback to say oh actually this truth this truth that i had that was causing these emotions in me, um, I don't need to hold on to. I can see it from a different perspective now. Mm. 
what was also going through my mind there, Daniel, is moving on sort of from uh, a little bit from the truth is the rules that we instill in our lives as well. Um, and let's give a love related example of, I don't know, just a simple one off the top of my head where um, say a guy comes home from work at night and he's had a really tough day at work uh, and all he wants to do is just relax. And the wife or the girlfriend or the partner um, says to him, you haven't gave me a hug. What do you want a hug for? I've had a real, you know, 10, 12 hours at the cold face and I'm really tired and all I want to do is just unwind. Yeah, but you haven't told me how much you love me. Do you think I'm doing all these hours and, and building our future for nothing? Isn't that a practical, we're kind of sort of stereotypically going into the masculine energy there with the the practical word, but you know, isn't that proof and and I and I just think that this whole sort of this whole dance, Daniel, between the energies, the the masculine and feminine energies of this this beautiful thing called love is 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 not understood either, you know, and you know so the you know the the wife might say, well, you know, just just show me, just show me, you know, hug me, and and so this whole kind of standoff standoffishness is like well. You know, the love is there, but that communication process that you allude to, it's like, well, then he'll, you know, I'm going to, I'm going out with my mates. I can't be doing with this. I've had a really hard day at work. I don't need this. I'm off. And of course, then that blows up into, you know, when he comes back a bit later on into, a, you know, the, these are real kind of examples. So I think the point I'm trying to make through, through this, uh, Daniel, and maybe I'm being too subjective and I really want to be challenged on this is that for me, love, and I know, yeah, again, it's a cliche, but love does conquer all. There is nothing to come anywhere near it at all, period. You know, and I speak as a guy that's made that, uh, took that journey from, from violence, from addiction, from all these kind of real sort of hard-nosed, entrenched, uh, alpha male type views, win at all costs, big boys don't cry, you know, and all this stuff. And it's like, no, 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 no. I don't know. Any thoughts, Daniel? Well, that's, I, I agree with what you said. And I think you, you said it really well and gave a great illustration of how different, different modes or rules or ways of being thoughts about what's needed can really get in the way of intimacy um, and absolutely the power of love. So what, what would you say then is the, what, what did that for you to pull you out of all that um, kind of rough, rough stuff, young masculine adolescent sort of uh, misery? What, how did the power of love lift you out? That's a, that's a great question. And I'd just like to add a slight caveat on that, Daniel. Um, it wasn't young. It started at young adolescence, but it carried on for decades. Um yeah, I was one of these that if I saw a sign that said wet paint, I had to touch it to see if, oh yeah, it's wet. I've got paint all over my fingers now. Never mind. Yeah, the warning was there, Paul. Um, great question. As I went through my journey, Daniel, and I realised, um, you know, I'm, and I'm talking, you know, real sort of raw survival here. Um the one thing that softened me immeasurably was the the memories, the experience, the emotions 
of two very, very initially very powerful beings in my life. And one was called a mother and one was called a grandmother. So that was my starting point from my formative years. And then my stepdad come in, in into our lives and just totally turned that on its head. But I never, ever doubted for one moment the power of that love from the um, from my mother and my grandmother. It was beautiful, beautiful feminine energies. And somewhere along the line, as I was going through this destruction, this survival, this, this violent way of being, because that's what I was taught, I used to flip over temporarily into that warm feeling of, yeah, somebody cares about me. Somebody actually cares about me. Didn't last long, by the way, because I was too busy then put wearing the mask. I'd got to get the armour back on then and the mask ready to come face the outside world. But what happened, Daniel, to answer your question is every time I got involved in a relationship with a new girl or in later life a woman, those memories, that, that became my kind of... Um, my base camp, my emotional base camp. The rest was just a lie. 99% of my life was a lie. But I did somehow have the awareness to know that where my emotional base camp was. And it was interesting, you know, the subsequent years uh, and decades of this, this whole crazy, dark, destructive way of being, I would always come back to that base camp and... The, the people that could reach me were the women and the girls in my life, whoever they may have been at the time. So that was my earlier or previous understandings of this word we called love, which you could call it in a physical sense, which I suppose it was. And that got me thinking, the more I've advanced on my journey, okay, so if that's on this kind of level, obviously as I've gone you know, down different paths, I've become more aware of the the more spiritual when the power of, of, of things that just don't make sense, uh, the fact that I should actually be dead now and somehow miraculously my life's been spared three times, that doesn't make sense on a, on a sort of human level, a logical level. Um, so there's all this stuff and invariably I end up back to those that base camp of my mother and my grandmother, subsequent girlfriends, um, wife, whatever. And... The knowledge or the the belief, and initially it was a belief that set me on that research. I think research is probably the wrong word, but that journey of discovery of okay, so if this is this at this level that I understand in my human intellectual level, ego et al. What's really behind that? And I was obviously being you know the more my journey advanced, Daniel, I was becoming aware of things like duality and. This whole kind of lie that we live as human beings. And that, certainly in the last two or three years, has been like taking a lid off a jack-in-the-box where it's just gone bang. And this is why I'm so passionate now to get out into the world. This this love, this love um, thing, theme, call it what you want, because I don't I don't do labels very well. Um, because I believe in letting the power of what is speak for itself just going back to an earlier conversation the the trick for me um, if that's the right word is to then convey that out 
to the sharp end so that if I could turn the clock back and somebody could have took me by, you know, the, uh, with a metaphoric arm around the shoulder and said, Do you know what, Paul, it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay, you know. And I think, do you, do you know, Daniel, from a sort of one little practical step, people just want to know that they matter. It's just these little simple things in life, isn't it, that we take for granted and we've we've lost our way a bit or whatever because I absolutely do don't agree with this. Are we broken or we need fixing? No, we don't. That's that's marketing. I, I don't buy that. I don't have that. I think we might lose our way a little bit. We might be a bit confused. But as our friend Mr. Robbins says, confusion comes before a breakthrough. So that's that's okay. And I think there's this whole re-education, if that's the right word, Daniel, of how critical and important love is. So I'll have conversations with guys, you know, rough, tough guys that don't want to talk about it. Good, you know, from the old days, good fighting men. And I'll break down that barrier and say, you got kids? Yeah. Do you love your kids? Yeah. The only difference is then, you don't really want to keep talking about it, but it's there, isn't it? The wind is there. Try and deny it. There's things in the air. Try and deny it if you can. You can't. And that's that's my sort of um, quest, if you will, Daniel, to get, as I, as I keep saying, to get to the coalface, to take these, these beautiful teachings from people like yourself and many others, these 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 warriors, these warriors of love and say, do you know what, guys and girls, the chips might be down now, but you know what? It will soon be light in the morning. As where I come from is, there's an old saying, I don't know if you have it in the States, it's called, won't always be dark at six, you know? Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, that's hopefully that, a bit long-winded, uh, Daniel, but hopefully that answers your, your question. Well, what, one of the things I hear among many beautiful things in there is that in some way, a part of you was aware of love, love's presence in you and in your life and through people that cared about you all the way through, even um, in the times when it was largely obscured. And that's part of how you are working with people who um, are also in some ways obscured from love, just finding more and more ways to to rise it up to awareness and make it more forefront. Yeah. And I'm going to share something with you, Daniel, because I know you'll be sharing this with your listeners through your platforms. Um, uh, and obviously as well as the speaking through our hearts platforms, but, and so the latter have heard this probably two or three times now, but um, I think it's well worth repeating. And we talk about love and there was an incident that happened to me four years ago and it involved a dog so I went up to my um, to pick my daughter up for a job interview and she got a beautiful beautiful border collie dog and as I went to the house and I was in the kitchen while she was locking up and getting a coat and what have you and the dog sat there and he stared at me, Daniel. He stared at me with his beautiful, piercing blue eyes. Just just sat there so intently and just never wavered or blinked. He just stared right through me. 
And all I felt was pure love. Pure love. And my eyes began to fill up. So I said to my daughter, right, I'll wait for you in the car. While you lock up, you know, it's like big boys don't cry. I'll wait for you in the car. So I went down the driveway. A couple of minutes later, she'd locked up. She'd come in the car and she said, you okay, Dad? Hmm. Hmm. She said, you're not, are you? Hmm. It was almost like, you know, stiff upper lip, shut up, no fuss, one of those kind of. And she said something to me, um, Daniel, that I'll never forget. And she said, and I quote, now bearing in mind my daughter's in her early 30s, and she said, I have never seen my hard man dad cry. And my response to her was, and there lies the problem. Because all my life, I've been living a lie. And she said, Dad, have you started drinking again? Because I don't understand what you're saying. You know, I think it had been seven years dry at the time. It was, uh, yeah, six and a half, seven years dry. And um, I said, let me explain. When I saw Max, the dog there, staring at me, it took me back to when I was a kid of seven with my mother and my grandmother. And I had a little mongrel dog called Rocky. And that dog was pure love. And what I saw all these decades later was Rocky staring at me with pure love. And do you know who your dad is? He is still that seven-year-old kid that he was then. He's never changed. But what he's done through this conditioning and this survival and these, you know, this local truth, as we um, described, Daniel, he's lost his way. He's lost his way quite a bit. But you know what? He ain't going to lose his way anymore because he understands now that love is the answer to everything. And that was just a very simple, innocuous example of, a, you know, a, a beautiful spirit um, called Max, a canine, that was just staring at me. But the effect it had, Daniel, was amazing. Mm. That's a beautiful story. Thank you. Mm. So... Um, have you got any sort of, as we start to sum up, um, Daniel, if I can, um, with, with guests, I always try and take away one sort of, um, dare I say in boxing terms, I don't know if it's good to mix the boxing metaphor with such a gentle, loving conversation as this, but uh, uh, I'll try anyway. But I would say, have you got one kind of knockout punch, one sort of, I mean, there's many gems in there, but one real piece that, is a message to the world. Well, thank you. It's a great, it's a great question. And following what you were just sharing and about the possibility of love being obscured for some of us, right? And we all know, we've heard it a million times, there's either love or fear and every moment we're living in love or we're living in fear. And, uh, and of course there are variations and one thing that we can work with is if we are not feeling love toward anybody, um, especially those in our life, closest in our life, and if we are feeling some part of us tending to avoid them or noticing that we are judging them, then that's a really clear sign that something has uh gotten on top of the love that we normally have for them. We're out of the state that we could be in 
uh, a loving, beautiful state. Mm. So that can be the trigger for, for us to say, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to practice some love and honesty together and communicate with this person. There's something in the way, right? And, and, you know, for me, that's, I've been working with it for 20 years, still a little scary to do that. Mm. Um, and yet I know how important it is and how much we all suffer without it. So at least that helps me get up to the conversation that I still sometimes don't do as well as I would like to, and it doesn't work out perfectly yet. I know it's always worth it to, to go for it, to say, this love is more important than whatever is in the way of it or my fear or discomfort with that. And every single time that I get brave enough to have a vulnerable conversation like that, I am so happy that I did. Wow. Yeah. Because vulnerability is bravery, isn't it? That we can, you know, sort of expose ourselves and put ourselves out there emotionally and say, this is it. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Hey, Daniel, anything that you'd like to add? Oh, well, this is a juicy topic. We could talk all day though. Perhaps that's, uh, that's enough for the moment. I hope it's been, uh, interesting and useful for folks. I just, if I may, um, almost, um, try to elicit a, uh, a, a semi-closed response, Daniel, because uh, obviously we have, um, as you say, brought it towards an end. Um, and it's this. Is it as simple, is this, this dichotomy that we know as, or this polarization, call it what you will, between love and fear, is it really as simple as having a choice in which way we go left or right? Is it really that simple? Well... Yes, simple it is. Simple isn't always easy, right? It's simple to sit and meditate. Well, just don't think. Well, that's simple. Um, yet, um, and love is simple, yet the application of it in real life, sometimes that's more challenging. It's always the simplest things that are most important and most powerful in our lives. Um, and sometimes it takes us a while to to learn how to get to that simplicity and employ it well in our lives. Mm. Absolutely. So finally, uh, Daniel, uh, people wanting to know more about you, get in touch with you about the, uh, the great work that you do. What, what's, what's your contact details? Yeah, thank you. I'd love to be in touch with, uh, with your listeners and viewers. Uh, DanielAaron.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-A-A-R-O-N.com is the easiest way to see what I'm up to. Um, and um, with my coaching programs or my membership and courses. And if anybody of your listeners would like to connect one-on-one, -on -one, I'd be very happy to give them a complimentary clarity session. Um, what I'm finding these days is through the miracle of technology. It's just such a blessing that I get to really connect with the people that I work with. And if someone's interested in uh, potentially working together or just exploring, 
just reach out to me, Daniel at DanielAaron.com or on Messenger. In fact, I'll even give you my private cell phone number here. Just tell me your name and what time zone you're in and we'll schedule a session for you. Right. So that can I give that number then? Is that all right? You can do, Daniel. And it, you know, these um, this will be repeated in the show notes that go with this episode. But yes, please do. All right. It's uh, one over here in the U.S. eight one six three seven two eight zero eight eight. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Listen, Daniel. It's um, you know we've left it uh, for four and a half years. Let's not leave it another four and a half years. Who knows where we'll be then? Um, I don't know. Who knows? But uh, listen, I'd like to thank you immensely for for the input that you've given, the energy and the emotion that you've given, and, and obviously your insights and shares. So immense gratitude, Daniel. Thank you. You're welcome, Paul. Thanks for inviting me. Great to connect. And thanks for the great work you're doing to get more heartfulness onto the planet. Thank you. So, listeners, there you have it, the uh, the amazing and wonderful Daniel Aaron. So um, all that uh, remains now is for, for me to sign off and say thank you for listening. And until the nepi- next episode, um, I think the most appropriate say, just, thing to say is just keep loving. Hearts, helping everyone achieve results towards success.